in your Bibles, please, for our second reading. We'll find that in Exodus chapter 9, our Old Testament reading, Exodus chapter 9. Verse 1, hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, and... Sorry, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. And there shall be, or there shall be a very grievous moraine. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. And there shall nothing die of all that is in the children of Israel, all that is the children of Israel's. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and... Let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt. And shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven. And it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils, for, for the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart and upon thy servants and upon thy people that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now... I will stretch out my hand that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up for to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. As yet exaltest thou thyself against my people that thou wilt not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof even until now. Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle, and all that thou hast in the field, 
For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them and they shall die. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail, and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not yet fear the Lord God. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was bold. But the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. And Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord, and the thunders and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more, and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. All right, so the first section, verses 1 through 7, we have the announcement of the plague. Uh, It's very interesting how this passage begins. We'll remember that the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. And the Lord says, Moses Uh, Go to Pharaoh and tell him, thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. No longer shall they be considered Pharaoh's servants. And the word used there is the same kind of service that we would translate as what it means to be a servant or slave. You've been Pharaoh's slaves. You're my slaves. The Lord says, let my people go that they may serve me instead. Well, that is indeed, is it not, as, as we read throughout the rest of Scripture, a picture of what it means to be redeemed, a picture of what it means to be saved. We were servants of sin, 
But now from the heart we have believed that form of doctrine delivered unto us so that we should no longer serve sin. Now we serve the Lord. We're no longer the slaves of sin, Satan, the world, the flesh, the devil, if you will. Now we are the servants of God. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We have a new king. We have a new head. And this is a picture of that. So the Lord says, let my servants go that they might serve me. And notice that, that while we're going to see a change, a transition in this chapter, still the Lord is working with Pharaoh in such a way to send his prophet, to announce the plague, to give him an opportunity to repent. Yet we will see a transition here in chapter 9 that we've not yet seen. And so, what do we see? That Moses and Aaron go and they announce the moraine, the disease, upon all of the cattle. And this is a universal disease. Uh, those of you that, are, that have any time spent around any kind of cattle, sheep, uh, you know, bovine, camels, uh, what do we have around here, uh, alpacas, llamas, whatever, whatever. Normally what you have is you'll have a disease that's endemic to one particular kind. It doesn't all the time translate into every particular beast, right? If the, if the, if the cows are sick, they may not be able to transmit that to the llamas. But here, notice it's universal. All of the cattle, every bit. This is highly unusual and obviously the finger of God, as the magician said a couple of chapters ago. This is the finger of God. It, it cannot be interpreted any other way. The other thing that the Lord gives to make sure that they will know that it's him that does it is, I'll tell you when it starts and when it stops. It's going to start tomorrow, and it won't stop until Moses entreats for you. And so it's very, very obvious then that this is, um, this is the Lord's working. The third thing that distinguishes this from all other diseases that they've ever seen is that none of the Israelites' cattle are affected. So in those three movements, the Lord makes it clear that this is his hand. They can't blame it on El Nino or something like that, right? This is the Lord's hand. Okay, so then notice what Pharaoh did. He checked up on Moses and Aaron. He checked to see whether or not the cattle of the Israelites was affected or not. Verse 7, and Pharaoh said, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Okay, so notice it says, was hardened. Generic passive here. Nifal in the Hebrew. Just means it was hardened. It doesn't say by who. It just was hardened. We're going to find that it was both God and Pharaoh hardening Pharaoh's heart. And at the end of this passage, what, you know, we've, we've seen Pharaoh harden his heart and God harden Pharaoh's heart. Let me just explain to you how that works for a moment. Scripturally, Speaking, this is important. God does not tempt anyone to sin. He, he is not himself tempted with evil and he does not tempt anyone to sin. When we think of this hardening of Pharaoh's heart, um, what the Bible does is it speaks of the effect and not exactly what's going on. The effect when it says Pharaoh hardened his heart or God Pharaoh, uh, hardened Pharaoh's heart is that God simply passed by Pharaoh and did not give him grace to repent. Did God know that that was going to leave Pharaoh in his sin? Absolutely. 
Yes. And God does that for his own purposes. And like we hear from Romans chapter 9. By the way, we'll hear again from Romans 9 in a moment. In this middle passage here. In the middle of this this chapter. But God doesn't have to give account to men as to why he passes by some. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't claim to have to do that. In fact, he tells us, I'm the potter, you're the clay, and I have a right to do what I want with my own. Right? The, the, the old illustration from, from the late and beloved R.C. Sproul was that, you know, you set up the army men on the table, the green guys over here, the brown guys over here. And because you set it up, you get to decide who wins. That's a natural understanding. Everybody gets that. Right? Well, God has created everything. It all must answer to him. It's his to do with what he will. And he chose Pharaoh in a particular way that he would raise him up and make him king of Egypt in order that he would show his mighty power in him and bring him down. That's what God decided to do with Pharaoh. And no one can say to him, like great king Nebuchadnezzar said, who also learned that lesson, no one can say to him, what doest thou? Okay? Um, we must then bow before the God that is and not a God that we would wish he was something else to be. Right? Most folks, you, you begin speaking like this about God and I've had people you know, sitting across the table thrust the Bible away from me and say, I don't believe in that God. Okay, just like you thrusted the Bible away, you thrusted away the true God. Let's believe in the God that is as he's revealed himself in the Bible. And not want him to be something that he's not. We can't do that. We will not be successful in that venture. Okay, so now we have a change in verse 8. Notice the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes in the furnace and let Moses sprinkle it toward heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. This time without a word to Pharaoh. He doesn't speak to Pharaoh this time. All he does is he goes to the, to the brick kiln. And pulls ashes out of the brick kiln. Now, let's remember, it was cool by that time. (laughs) Okay? He reached into the brick kiln after it had cooled down. And he took ashes out of the brick kiln. And he threw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. What was the brick kiln used for? That's where they made their lime. Which was part of their cement process. To build their blocks that they built all of those great works that we see over there in Egypt out of. And so it is as if the Lord is saying to them, you're building up something? Okay, well, I'm going to take this, this same ash that you use to build with, and I'm going to use it to bring you down. Right? All of your magnificence, all of your building projects, all of your, the, the strength of Egypt here that comes out of this brick kiln, it's going to be on you, and it's going to make these boils and blains and Pimples and pustules all over your bodies. And it says that, the, that it was so bad that the magicians couldn't even stand before Moses. Let's remember that the Egyptians were a society that prized themselves, that prided themselves in being clean. They shaved all of the hair off of their bodies so that they would not smell. They, they scrubbed and washed their skin. They were, they were hyper-cleanliness people, especially in their upper echelons. That's what they did. And so now we have these boils and blames all over their bodies. Again, we're striking against the God of health, right? We we struck against the God of cattle. Uh, They had a bull God that they worshipped. Now 
Now we strike against the God of health here, Isis, the God of health. Okay, and so this is done without a word before Pharaoh. And the boil became a blain breaking out on all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now in verse 13, the Lord speaks to Moses, go talk to Pharaoh this time. We've had one instance of just throwing something in the air in his presence without words. Now let's go and talk to him again. You see the procedure, how the Lord is moving with Pharaoh. He is is now drawing back that revelation some, but he's going to give him another opportunity. This is always a mercy, beloved. This is a mercy to Pharaoh. It's not a saving mercy. But God often, uh, even in the face of great sinfulness, our God behaves himself merciful even to sinners. And so it is a mercy that he sends Moses and Aaron to stand before Pharaoh early in the morning once again. And thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. Have you heard that before? God isn't, okay, let's make a deal. You won't, you won't release them? Let's, let's try to work something out. Beloved, there's no, make, there's no let's make a deal with God. Your negotiations will not avail in that day. Remember the sign over the door of heaven? It's not whosoever will may come. Do you remember what it is? It's no deals. There are no deals here. The Lord's word is consistent beginning to end. Let my people go that they may serve me. They're going to stop serving you and they're going to serve me. And now the Lord gives a... A great warning here. I'm going to send all my plagues on your heart. Not only will I, not only will I destroy Egypt, but these are going to come down upon your psyche, upon your soul. You will despair, Pharaoh, of life. You will despair for your nation. You will look around you after your magicians will finally tell you, do you not know that Egypt is destroyed? I will destroy you and your nation. I'm bringing my plagues down, not upon the outside of you, but upon the inside. Right? Before the, before the plague of the boils, in every other one of those plagues, there was some immediate thing. It was the cattle, it was the, it was the hail, you know, it was, well, the hail comes later. It was all these other kinds of things that affect it. But the, the, the dust goes into the air, and of course, you know, I mean, we could, we, we could do a forensic check. How far did that dust go? Not very far. And yet it was on all of the people of Egypt from top to bottom except those in Goshen. In other words, God struck them at their bodies immediately without any kind of mediation. And it is after that that he says to Pharaoh, I'm going to strike you in your heart. I'm going to bring my plagues down upon your heart. The plague that I'm about to bring to you, if you do not let my people go, is something you will not be able to bear. Of course, we know where it ends. All the firstborn of Egypt dies, and then Pharaoh and his chariots drowned and dead on the seashore, right? Okay, so this next plague is very, very interesting, the plague of hail, because the Lord tries them even in the midst of the plague. Have you ever thought about that? The Lord says, okay, I'm going to send hail. Now, it's, 
you know, there, there's some division among commentators as to what the hail was. Some guys will say this is just a regular icy hail with lightning and the fire runs along the ground. That is, lightning struck the ground and you could see it running along the ground. Others will say, no, this is icy hail mixed with some volcanic eruption. And so you have fire that's actually coming down in burning rocks mixed with hail. And then other guys will say it's just volcanic activity. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What matters is that everyone that's in the field is going to die. Everyone that's in the field. If you leave your cattle out in the field, they're going to die. If you leave your servant out in the field, they're going to die. And so what does the Lord do? He puts them to the test as to whether they will believe his threatenings or not. And those that believed the Lord's threatenings drew their cattle in and drew their servants in. And those that didn't left them exposed to die. The Lord put them to the test as to whether or not. In other words, he showed them their own inconsistency. He pulled the roof off of their system, if you want to use Francis Schaeffer's term. You still refuse to follow me? Okay, but you will bring your cattle in, won't you? You will bring your servants in, won't you? You will give me the acknowledgement, won't you, at least some of you, that I am the God of heaven and earth and that your gods cannot protect you. Oh, this is an amazing judgment. When the Lord pulls up a mirror and shows us our rebellion face to face in that we will hear his judgments and try to protect ourselves. There are those that will stand at the end of days and they will say according to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, they will turn to the mountains and to the rocks rather than to God and they will say, fall upon us and hide us from the face of him that sits upon the throne and from the Lamb. Instead of turning to them, they will ask for protection against them, even knowing that it is futile. Beloved, this is the depth of the sin of the human heart, apart from Christ. So the Lord holds up that mirror and drives them to the acknowledgement that in some sense, in some form, they are willing to acknowledge, to, to acknowledge God as the Lord of the earth. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh uh, made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And so then Moses stretched his hand Toward heaven, and here came the hail. There's one thing that often goes out of notice in this passage. I think it's great. So Moses is in Pharaoh's palace talking to him, and Moses will say, As soon as I get out of the city, I'll pray. And so it's like Moses has got this ceiling over him. Everybody else is afraid to be out in the in the hail. And Moses says to Pharaoh, As soon as I get out of the city, I will stretch forth my rod and the Lord will cause the hail to relent. And Moses says that without any ounce of trepidation that he might get hit by hail. He's just going to go out and the hail's going to fall everywhere else except on him and Aaron. Such is the faith of Moses. Moses doesn't need to be in the house to be protected. The land of Goshen and all of the Israelites, God did not bring his judgments upon them. So then, Pharaoh sent and called for them, and he said, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous. I and my people are wicked. We might say a hearty amen to that. Yet did he mean it? Talk is cheap, beloved. Talk is cheap, 
And so, like many, as soon as the judgment stops, the sinning begins again. As soon as the chastisements are over, the sinning begins again. Pharaoh, having made a profession of sin and wrongdoing, and having shown that he knows how to have the hail stopped, to call Moses and ask Moses to entreat. He knows all of that. He has given, if I can borrow a page from last week's sermon, he has given his assent to all of that. But as soon as the hail stops, well, it's like what the Lord said to Ephraim. Ephraim, thy repentance is like the morning cloud. It goes quickly away. Oh, beloved, Beloved, have repentance that doesn't need to be repented of. Work those means of grace. Confess and forsake your sins and don't return to them. The Lord's grace helping you. So when Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken by Moses. I've still got... The wheat left, I've still got the barley left, right? Isn't that what he says? Isn't that how he, or the, the, the wheat and the rye. I've still got them left. I've still got something. Pharaoh might be thinking, uh, if I can put it colloquially, I've still got a little bit left in the tank. We're okay yet. Well, he doesn't yet know that locusts are coming. He doesn't yet know that the Lord is on a course that he does not relent from. Like it says in Psalm 50, you thought I was altogether like you, that I would stop. The Lord says, no, I will not. You will let my people go. What great love the Lord exhibits then toward his own in that he would rouse himself up to such great extents. This is what Paul means, right, in Romans chapter 8 when he says, he that spared not his own son." How shall he not also with him, with Christ, freely give us all things? If God has so stirred up himself for the salvation of his people, then who are we to doubt him? With that then, let's continue praising God.